Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Number one, the obvious one with the two calls last night against the Jets. One that was not made and one that was. I mean, the Chiefs now have gotten breaks on this continuously. They got a huge break on this, of course, in the Super Bowl with the hold, which set up them scoring a touchdown and putting the game away against the Eagles. I'm not going to say anything about the late hit in the Cincinnati game because that was a penalty. But in the the Super Bowl, that play should not have been called. They should have given Hurts a chance to go down the field and see what he can do. So I couldn't stand that. That bothered the hell out of me. And the Chiefs got every call known to man last night. And they got two in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the third and 25 run, there was a hold. They didn't throw the flag. And then a little later on, they throw the ball down the right sideline. I'm not sure what the sequence was. But they throw the ball down the right sideline. And they get Paul gets picked off by, uh, by a defensive back. And they call uh, Sauce Gardner you know, for a hold, which was dubious at best. Dubious. You want to call that? First drive of the game to establish a little something. Okay, go ahead. But that is a call you cannot make under any circumstances. And although Salah made a big deal about being in prime time, so that doubly makes it worse, forget prime time. It's about fourth quarter in a big spot in that set, in that setting, when the ball was probably not going to be catchable. It was a horrendous pass by Mahomes, who threw two bad passes in the game, really three, because uh, the middle linebacker should have had the Mosley, should have, what, what's his name? Uh, Mosley should have had the one he dropped it. But, I mean, the bottom line is you cannot, under any circumstances, make that call in that situation. And the guy throws the flag, ruins the game. They get a four, they, uh, it negates a, uh, an interception. And then we can't see if Wilson can bring his team down the field uh, to get a tie or a win after he played very well. And, by the way, Joe Willie Namath, who I love, owes Zach Wilson an apology. All right? You want to tell me that Collinsworth went overboard with uh, making him out to be essentially Roman Gabriel? That's all right. Fair enough. But the bottom line is Wilson played a hell of a game. And all you guys out there who have been killing Wilson, I mean, Wilson who got destroyed all week long by everybody known to man, including, of course, the beacon of light with the franchise and Joe Willie got killed, went out there last night and after a bad start, played great in the game, kept his team in it, did a superb job. And if it wasn't for those two lousy calls, we could have had a chance to see him at 23-20 go down the field. So these officials who want to continually put themselves in the middle of these games, you do not make calls in the fourth quarter of a tight game the same way you make calls in the first quarter of a tight game. You just don't do it. There are scenarios where you have to allow some something to go because you can call a, a penalty on every play in an NFL game. You can call a foul on every play in an NBA game and you can call a penalty in every play in an NFL game. You can strike everybody out 3-2 ninth inning of a baseball game if you wanted to do that. There's got to be some discretion and the good umpire, the good official, the good referee understands the circumstances and that deep back judge there had no clue what the hell he was doing. And then of course on the hold, if you're going to call one, you got to call the other. So the officials did a horrendous job last night. I don't want to sit there and apologize for the Jets. I'm not a Jet fan, but I thought that was an absolute disgrace. So that is point number one. The bigger disgrace is what the Mets did with
with Buck Showalter. I mean, what an absolute disc- I'm going to do four screaming yells here. This is number two. How do you fire Buck Showalter, who, number one, had a year to go in his contract. Number two, did a great job last year. Was the manager. Wasn't he the manager of the year when he won 101 games? I'd have to look. But, I mean, he did a, he's been a manager of the year four times for four different teams. He did a great job last year. It wasn't his fault that Scherzer got booed off the mound. The worst I've ever seen of a New York athlete in game one against San Diego and stunk again. He was the manager of the year and stunk earlier on against Atlanta in the last week of the season. This year he loses his closer, jumping up and down for that asinine World Baseball Classic in March. He had no closer. Scherzer stunk. Verlander wasn't very good and hurt. I mean, and all of a sudden we got David Stearns, who, what? Who walks, who makes it sound like he's a big New Yorker. Next time you see Dave Stearns on a seven train, let me know. Will you please? The idea that, uh, you know, a Harvard guy who grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan is some big New Yorker. I don't want to hear it. I mean, you know, thinks he lives and breathes the New York sports fan. No, he doesn't because there is no way, shape, and form this manager should have been fired under any circumstances. He did not want it. He did not deserve it. Why? Because he's not an analytical geek like all these other guys that drive you freaking crazy? That he's not a guy that's going to be the messenger boy for the front office and play certain guys in that lineup? And then you send that bag man Billy Epler on Saturday to get him fired when Stearns doesn't have the courtesy to go down there himself. And I don't want to hear about he's under contract to Milwaukee. Nonsense. If he wanted to go downstairs to fire Buck Showalter on Saturday afternoon, he could have gone downstairs and fired Buck Showalter. Crying out loud, he met with the owner in August. Cohen. So if he was under contract and he met with the Met owner on Sunday uh, in August and then he uh, agreed to this deal, he could have gone downstairs Saturday night and talked to Buck in person instead of instead of sending Epler to do it. But the idea now that we're going to fire Buck, so I'm mad both wise. They handled it ter- horrifically. Buck had to uh, announce his own firing for crying out loud. They handled it terribly and he didn't deserve to be fired. To bring Greg Council in here since when is he Miller Huggins? I understand Council's done a nice job in a mid-market team, but is he the same guy who took Woodruff out of a playoff game against the Nationals to see that bullpen implode? Is Council the same guy who took who took Wade Miley out after 50 pitches in the sixth inning against the Dodgers in game two of the NLCS in 18 with a lead to bring in his bullpen because he didn't like a matchup against Justin Turner and the first pitch, Turner basically hit the board at Green Bay? Is is this the same Council who, you know, manages every game like it's a game in May and doesn't understand where you stand in, in, in October? And winning in Milwaukee is one thing. Win in New York City. Hey, now nah, you're cooking with some gas. Win in New York City. Then you can tell me something. So this is the guy we're going to bring in. Oh, boy, God. I I mean, listen, Council's in a tricky spot now because he's under. He's not under contract essentially after the year. He's a free agent, and now he's in the playoffs. He's going to get asked every which way in the next three weeks about the Met managerial job. He's going to hate it, but this is a situation that he's been put in by his old boss, Dare Stearns, who did on God awful job. A good man who, you know, for whatever the reason has never gotten a chance to be there at the end. He got fired with the Yankees because of Rick down by Steinbrenner. Torrey took over after the Yankees were good. He got fired in Arizona after he did a hell of a job and Brenly took over. He got the Orioles to the playoffs, then they decided to basically tank. He went to Texas and got them into the playoffs and he came to the Mets and got them into the playoffs. This year was a disaster and then they fire him and they do it through the bag man Epler. That is not the way to do it. That is an absolute disgrace. The Mets should be ashamed of that scenario. That is number two. And I tell you right now, if you think I'm wrong, go ask a Met fan. I live here.
All right, and Buck is beloved by both Yankee fans and Met fans. It's not one or the other. They love him, and Steinbrenner loves him. Both sides. Both sides. And Buck handled it classy yesterday. He didn't go out there kicking and screaming. He didn't kill anybody. I'll kill him for you. That really bothered me. That is number two. Number three, listen, they won the game, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I am so tired of A.J. Brown's act with the Eagles. You get the idea yesterday that a very horrendous decision on third and four when they threw the bomb to A.J. Brown to give them a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter in Philly against Washington. You get the idea they did that because Brown's such a he drives you crazy. He wants the ball, wants the ball, wants the ball. He's probably screaming left and right about, you know, get me the ball, get me the ball. So the Eagles got him a touchdown, which actually helped Washington. Because what Philly should have done is gotten a third and four first down and then run out the clock and kick a field goal. Washington only had one timeout. That's what they should have done. Instead, it's almost like A.J. Brown insists that he gets called upon and he does, a, you know, he does one of those hitch-go patterns and they throw him a touchdown pass. And then the dope goes out there and gets a 15-yard taunting penalty because he puts the ball in a kid's lap who's a rookie defensive back. And so Washington starts their ensuing drive with 136 left at the 35-yard line. And then they tie the game up. And really should have won. I'm tired of A.J. Brown. Enough of him. God, this is a guy who's tantrums left and right. I mean, I understand being a diva as a wide receiver, but hes I've had enough of him. I can't root for him. And I tell you right now, it's funny. Normally, the Eagle fan would hate this kind of guy. Couldn't stand him. How Carmichael is that kind of receiver? They'd hate this kind of guy. Eric, that's for you. And then number four, I'll tell you right now, you talk about a guy who couldn't manage or coach a CYO team. How about Zach Johnson this weekend at the Ryder Cup for the United States? You can't, first off, he's never he's never true to the media. He never answers any questions. He never gives you an answer. He, he did, The team was tight as hell. Did you see the U.S. team would not sign autographs at the end of last week when Europe's out there signing autographs left and right and the U.S. team wouldn't sign autographs? Did you also see that Cantley didn't go to the gala, the big gala thing, because he did that stupid hat thing, because he didn't get paid? And then Zach Johnson, number one as a captain's pick, he took Ricky Fowler. How did Ricky Fowler play this week? Ricky Fowler played in one match on Friday, got skunked, and then they sat him, sat his rear end on the ground for the rest of the weekend, and then they put him out there yesterday, and what does Fowler do on 16 against Fleetwood? He hits the ball in the ocean. And then what does he do? He gives Fleetwood a four-foot putt to win the freaking event. Zach Johnson did not make anybody play. None of them played for five weeks. So they show up in this scenario and none of them played. As Rory said, you got to treat this event like a major. None of them played. They're off for five weeks. And the U.S. team was flat as a pancake, did an atrocious job. We had no DeChambeau who's been hot as hell. Where was Dustin Johnson, who was 5-0 and whistling straights? Where the hell was he? But we got to put Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth. And I'll tell you one thing about Jordan Spieth. If I got to hear one more word about how good Jordan Spieth is in golf, I'm going to puke. Jordan Spieth never wins. I've had enough of Jordan Spieth. The Masters was a long time ago. Thank you, Dustin, to win in the U.S. Open up Chambers Bay. Uh, no, and, and also freaking, um, uh, what's his name, Matt, um, when he won the British Open and uh, and he, and he uh, there was a collapse late and he won that uh, the last three or four holes. What's the kid's name? The tall guy, Matt. Um, 
I'll think of it in a minute. When he won the British Open? Oh, my God. And somehow he's on his team. He shouldn't have been on his team. I, I, you know, because what? You want everybody to do a little kumbaya as far as the event is concerned so they all can play ping pong in the, in, 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 the, in, the, in the room? How about the U.S. show some guts one of these days and go win in Europe? You know, the, the, the Europeans win here. 10-6 down in Medina, they won. Europeans win here. They won 8 of 11 of these last things. The Europeans, and you hear what Rory said, and I'm not a Rory fan, but you hear what Rory said yesterday? We'll see you at Beth Page. We're going to win there too. That was a disgraceful display by the Americans. He starts off with Sam Burns and Scheffler on Friday, which got us off to a horrendous start. Ricky Fowler should have been where I was, in front of a TV set. He had no business being on his team. None. Zero. And Zach Johnson could not, I mean, his team was tight as a drum. You know, they, uh, Canley with this, stu- now Canley played well, but this hat idea is the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, you're going to cause all this grief with the hat? Put the hat on. Why, you want to get paid? How much do you want for crying out loud? You make a fortune. Why, you mad because Liv didn't, you turned down Liv? And that's the reason, so you don't wear a hat? I mean, you got to be kidding me. You're going to make the whole world hate America because you don't want to wear a hat on Saturday afternoon? And then LaCava, who I love, getting into a fight with the freaking Europe, with Lowry and, 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 and McElroy? Hey, Joe, you know, you're a caddy. When you get into a fight, make sure your team's going to win the next day. Will you please? That's the way it works. You can act like a big guy because you made a couple of putts on Saturday afternoon. You're supposed to win the event. Not walk out with your you not walk out with your head with your head between your legs. Win the event. That's the way it works. You know, when you're getting your ass handed to you and you haven't won there in a hundred years, leave well enough alone on the 18th green on a Saturday afternoon when you're down by six points. That's how you act. That's how you operate. That's how you operate. You showed everybody how upset Cantley was because you went crazy because you were scatty. That was not handled properly. Let's put it this way. Zach Johnson, uh, I mean, he was Mickey Calloway. That was some of, uh, speaking of the Mets, that was some of the worst captainship. They got on Watson all those years ago. I haven't seen a guy do a worse job. From his lineups, from his captain's picks, from his media conferences, and his lineups. An unbelievably horrific, and I watched it all weekend, an horrific, horrific performance. Horrific. They have one guy who played well, Homer. Horrific. So the two dopes of the week, David Stearns and Zach Johnson. Throw A.J. Brown in the mix and a back judge in a jet game. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.